doing some body rolls <laughs> nice body rolls warm up your body for a nice episode of two girls one ghost yeah forget vocal exercises we do body exercises <laughs> that's the most important thing this is two girls one ghost two girls one ghost and we are your ghostesses that's corinne hello and i'm sabrina and our ghost might say hello ghost nope maybe not <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> That's um, all of our ghosts combined. My laryngitis is almost gone, so I think my voice is somewhat back to normal. Except for I think you gave Nick your illness through Google chat. Probably. <laughs> I've exiled him to our bedroom and not today. Illnesses are real. My parents are peer pressuring me into getting the flu shot because I got the flu twice this year and I didn't get the shot because I'm afraid of needles. Uh you should. Yeah, I know. I was supposed to go on Friday, but then I was like, I'm busy. I'll go Saturday. And then I had a lot of anxiety about going Aww. yesterday. So I'm going to try to make myself go today. And if I don't, I'm just going to have to call and like make a firm appointment or something to make myself go. Are you going to go at CVS or where are you going to go? Yeah, CVS. They actually, it was really nice. They have every year they set up, they have flu shots come into our office the flu shots walk themselves into our office. Um, no, but they have um, – they set up like a little station and then nurses give flu shots for free for everyone in our office. Oh, my gosh. That's really nice. Yeah. And then all of us were so dramatic because we're all writers. We were all sitting in our room afterwards and everyone's like, oh, man, my arm is so sore. And like – Yeah. Everyone yeah, was like, oh, I think I need to go home. I don't think I can work for the rest of the day. <laughs> You're supposed to move your arm around mm -hmm. after. Yeah. But I feel like most people, at least if they're like me, you just go dead arm because you're like, oh, my God, I've been shot. <laughs> I just have to be completely still, let it heal. <laughs> and then your arm shot. gets sore. I've been hit. This is the end. I've been hit. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. I just watched this movie. I, it just reminded me because of Rebel Wilson in um, Pitch Perfect when she like gets hit with the burrito out the window. And she goes, oh, I've been oh, right. shot. <laughs> but so i just watched the movie isn't it romantic and i really enjoyed it oh that that's the one that came out valentine's day right yeah it's like a really nice spin on romantic comedies because she's like super anti-romantic comedies and then winds up getting stuck inside a romantic comedy oh that's nice i want to see that yeah for some reason i had convinced myself that it was only coming out i thought it was just going to be in theaters on valentine's day for some reason oh. <laughs> By the way that they were marketing it, <laughs> oh, I thought funny. it was like a one-day thing for all the singles to go see. Um, nope, it's still still there for everyone right, to I'll see. I'll add it to my list. Uh, I've started a new show. What is it? It is called Big Dreams, Small Spaces. It is on Netflix. It is a British show, and it is about one of the lead landscapers and gardeners <laughs> of Britain going and visiting people and helping and like giving suggestions to make their backyards or their small garden spaces their like dream garden. Wow. And I'm obsessed with it. I do really enjoy shows where people come in and they like take over and do all of the renovations and like 
all of the work themselves, but there's just something about shows where you see people do all the work themselves that's more inspiring almost. Mm -hmm. So he goes in and he instructs that or like looks at their plans that they had already drawn up and gives them some suggestions to make it like the most ideal space. And he'll visit a few times and like help with the artwork. But the majority of it, it's like um, tidying up with Marie Kondo. She gives some suggestions, but ultimately the people are doing all of the work themselves. That is nice. And it's just amazing what people can do. (laughs) If only I had a small space to decorate. Oh, one day you will. One day. I won't be living in a brick building crammed against other buildings. (laughs) With your door that doesn't close. Yeah. Or doesn't open. Yes, my bedroom door. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm living in Seattle now because it's been raining every single day. Really? You know, it's so bizarre because, well, I guess I don't understand weather, so who am I to say that this is weird? <laughs> this could be normal. But it was like California was on fire for months, and now it's just raining for months. Yeah, it's been very drastic changes. Um, I know, like, Northern California is, like, flooding. I don't know if it's because of the rain, but there was, like, this massive flood that basically made, like, six different towns islands. Oh, whoa. That's, like... I know that that's devastating, but the way I'm picturing it in my head is really cool. Yeah. Like, what if all of our whole continent splits and California floats off and becomes like Hawaii? Or what if this is the end of California and it's just (laughs) going to be on fire and raining and just sink into the ground like Atlantis and all the people of California then have to relocate. So where would you relocate? Hmm... Hmm. Like a realistic, like right now, if they were like, get your bags, you have to leave California, you have to go pick a place to live. Um, That's really hard. I don't, uh, maybe Colorado. I was thinking you would say Colorado. Really? I'm surprised it took you as long to get there. Well, because I was just I trying to immediately think... you'd say Colorado. <laughs> I was just trying to think practically. There was like this whole long thought process I had to go through. I was like, well, where would Nick want to move? Where would I be happy where do i know people where where is there good adventure and like hikes and and so colorado it took a while inside my head (laughs) (laughs) colorado nice yeah where would you go if you currently lived in california and had to move i know that's not the truth but where would you go i mean i would go where i am (laughs) go to new england okay fine if If i had to leave boston yeah i've always been and i've never been to this city so I don't really know what it's like, but based on pictures and <laughs> just like stories and stuff, I've always felt very drawn to Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. So maybe I'd go there. I could garden year round. I could have big dreams for my tiny space. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Everything is based around the shows that you watch on is I'm guess I'm assuming <laughs> Netflix. Or maybe I would go to Washington State. Actually, no, I wouldn't because I'm afraid of Washington because of the volcanoes. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I was thinking like go Sasquatch. Off. Sasquatch lives in Washington. We could be friends. That's true. He could run down from the mountain when the volcano explodes, <gasps> grab me, yes, and you run me ride. all the way to South Carolina and save me. And then there we fall in love and we have small Sasquatch babies. <laughs> See, I love that it didn't take you a second to think about that one. 
that's like you've, you've been thinking about that for a long time. It just felt like such a natural progression <laughs> of what my life would be. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like the typical fairy tale, Sasquatch saves Corinne, you get married and have kids. Right. I didn't see the movie Shape of Water Me or neither. know much about it, but isn't that about... I think she Be- saves bestiality. him. <laughs> yes, it totally is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. That's all we need to know. This has nothing to do with bestiality, but I just finished the show last night, The Umbrella Academy. It's oh, really good. Yeah. I keep seeing it advertised on Netflix, but I, I... I really like it. And I'm not usually into like superhero shows, but just like the characters are amazing. It's super witty and it's Ellen Page, who I love. And yes. yeah, it's really good. We should just have like an Ellen Page movie marathon. She's in some great ones. Yeah. Inception. Did you ever Inception? But and Juno. Juno, love Juno. Um, did you ever see? I think it was Hard Candy. No, I've heard of that though. Oh, Sabrina. <laughs> You're a dark mind writer. Yes. You should watch that one okay. for sure. I'm it will it inspire down. you. Hard Candy. Yes, it's great. Great, great, great. Someone the other day was like, can you guys write a reference list of like all the shows and books and photos you reference in episodes? And I was like, I feel like that would take us years. We would have to re-listen to every single episode and start writing them down. So if anyone else wants to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Maybe we'll give you free merch if you decide to re-listen to every single episode and make a reference list. There have been people who have restart, like listen to every episode mm-hmm. and restart it. Yeah, it's fun. So perhaps if you're that type of person, maybe you might want to start writing down stuff, <laughs> help us or help other people. We, yeah. Yeah, I think we'd have to take a break from recording for like three months. No, like a month in order to do that. Yeah, maybe more. I don't know. That's a lot of hours of recording. I know. We have so many episodes. I wish, sometimes I wish that I was able to listen to podcasts while I worked, but I, know, I don't have a job where I can do that. Me neither, because I have to be attentive and be listening and writing notes right. all day. Yeah, me too. And I can't be distracted because I work in HR, so I'm yeah. doing stuff with like people's money and socials, <laughs> so I can't oh, pop so that up. Do you want to tell everyone more about the social security numbers you work with? <laughs> <laughs> That's what HR does, right? You just tell everyone everything? Yeah, exactly. I'm basically the CIA. I can't say anything. No one can know where I work. I think I would be a really good CIA agent. What field would you want to, or like what sort of things would you want to do in the CIA? Espionage. (laughs) I don't know. I think I'd be really good at like, well, this is like acting, but like going in and like learning people's secrets. Yeah, that would be good. I've always thought that I would be good at posing as like a younger person on the internet to <laughs> oh, like catfish? catch sex predators. <laughs> What's that show that they used to do? To catch a predator? Is that it? And they'd have them come into a house? Yeah. Yeah. Um, SNL did a hilarious sketch of it where they were like, okay, because like, you know, TV, it's all everything's shot multiple times. And so they did a hilarious sketch of that where there's an, a perp coming in and then they like ask him to redo getting caught like a bunch of times. And he's like, oh, like I'm going to jail. 
and he goes they're like yeah but you'll be on tv and he goes like, oh i'll be on tv and so he like does he just like <laughs> redoes his getting caught multiple times oh my god i have to watch that yeah. i haven't seen that one it's really funny that's hilarious okay this week we're talking about haunted campsite yes yes we are i feel like this is one of the most fun topics because ghost stories and camping go hand in hand mm-hmm. and nowadays people go glamping people stay at inns that are next to camping sites people camp on their own just like in the woods so really it could be anywhere as well mm-hmm. did you ever go camping when you were young did I your did. family have like a spot i don't think we had a specific spot but uh I, we used to go camping a lot and then also when i was in girl scouts we do like every summer we do girl scout camp and go camping and do like archery and horseback riding and sleeping ca- and tents and then we also did a lot of camping in our backyard and we had tons of spooky stuff happen when we did that wait tell me more okay well i feel like i've said this but anyway for my I think my eighth birthday and then my sister's 10th birthday, we did a survivor themed birthday party combined and it was her friends versus my friends. And so we did like all of these different challenges and then we all slept in two different tents at night. So it was my friends in one tent and her friends in the other. And we all start telling ghost stories and then my sister and her friends come and like terrify us, like sneak into the Mm -hmm. tent and like poking outside of it. But also when we were playing survivor games it was getting late and all of a sudden someone goes there's a man behind the tree and we all look and there's this face peeking out from behind the tree what the hell i don't know if you told me this if you did i just blocked it out of my memory and this is so scary (laughs) and we're all like panicking and i mean i was eight so i was my first thought wasn't oh my god i'm about to be murdered but Later in life, I looked back on it and I was like, oh my God, I almost got murdered. But basically, we all like screamed to my parents and my dad carefully goes towards this tree and reveal it was one of the girl's dads in a like in a Halloween mask trying to scare us. Oh, wait, I do remember you telling (laughs) me this, which is like so I think that's so stupid, you know, yeah, like it's. The person thinking that is like, oh, I'm going to be so funny. Mm-hmm, but, but what if someone us. is standing their ground and they're like, oh, my God, this person is approaching my child and all of these other children mm-hmm. I'm responsible for. I'm just going to shoot them. Right. And do you remember all of those horror stories of girls having sleepovers? I, I feel like maybe there's one real version of this, but a lot of them got amplified and were told to us as horror stories as kids. What about you? Well, I don't have any like ghost stories from camping. But my family and a bunch of other families that had children the same age um, from my hometown, we would always go each summer to Lake Elmore Mm. and camp there, which is in Vermont. It's like an hour drive from where I'm from. And it was so, so fun. It's like a normal kind of more built up campground. So there's just like the designated plots. And then they had Mm. the showers. You put like the quarters in to take a shower. Oh, my gosh. But then they also had a lake. So that was the really fun part because we would go down to the lake and there was like a beach and it was like a very gradual incline into the lake and so you could play. And then one of the families would bring sea dews and then another family would bring kayaks. So we did a bunch of fun things. Although we did almost die one time because a group of us were like, oh, let's go adventuring. So 
we're children mm-hmm. and we leave and we're in like a pack of eight so our parents don't think much of it and it's a campsite and they trust that we're not gonna <laughs> go away from the campsite but of course we do mm-hmm. and we go down to the edge of the lake but like not on the side of the lake where the beach is we like find our way to a different area oh my gosh and we're like oh let's follow this little hiking trail and so we're walking for probably 30 minutes and then all of a sudden the hiking trail stops and it's just the edge of a rock against the water and a tiny tiny like probably like four inch little ledge and we're like well we're gonna have to just scale the ledge because we're already too far away (laughs) and we had gone down the cliff like in a way that would be really hard to climb back up and basically in the end what happened was and this is so dangerous and so stupid but we got so far and we felt like we couldn't turn back oh my gosh um, so a, a couple of the kids jumped the strongest of the swimmers jumped into the lake and swam to the beach which was probably a quarter mile away which is far when you're really far 10 yeah yeah it was really scary i mean they made it to the beach and we ended up turning around and actually making our way back up but it was like i was one of the big kids compared to like some of the other people that were there mm-hmm. and so we had to like send the little kids up first before us like trying to save the little kids oh. like go up the go up the hill we'll catch you if you fall i'll sacrifice myself oh my god it was so scary and our parents had no idea because like <laughs> they had no idea we all went back and we were like we almost died and they were, were on like, vacation too they were like, yeah they were drunk someone was singing <laughs> amy like up on a picnic table like, oh my dancing God. they were all wasted. that's what camping is for um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wonder if you could look up like elmore ghosts and if there's any reports of it oh man why didn't i do that i am so mad at myself <laughs> right now <sighs> okay well time. i didn't choose like elmore but instead, you I chose Big Moose Lake. Um, Big Moose Lake is in the Adirondacks. It's located in New York. If people don't know where the Adirondacks are, they're all in New York. Mm-hmm. They're super beautiful. I've been up to the Adirondacks, I think, only once. But it's basically just like a big, beautiful, green, luscious mountain range. And within this mountain range are just a ton, a ton of small lakes. And so it's mm-hmm. an amazing spot for like having a home on the lake or Mm -hmm. summering if you can like summer places (laughs) if you're like a rich person or like a school teacher and you get the summer off (laughs) two very different things teachers are very not rich (laughs) (laughs) um but big moose lake is is one of the haunted areas and around this there are some campsites and hotels and inns and etc so you can actually go there The lake is about three miles long and one mile wide, and it's about 70 feet deep at its deepest part. It's a super popular place in the summer. I mean, a lot of the lakes are Mm -hmm. Um, because the average day is around 75 degrees, which is very comfortable for the summer. Perfect. Um, Like I said, there are a few inns and lodges that are like actually directly on the lake. And then within a few miles, there are some campgrounds that people can uh, stay at and then, you know go over to the lake to utilize the lakes Mm -hmm. and this lake is pretty tucked away because the town i mean it's it's far into the adirondacks so it's very popular in the summer but i think it mostly clears out in the winter Mm. because it's cold and (laughs) it's a lake 
But in the summer, people like to go boating, they partake in water sports, they go fishing, they go hiking. And then in the winter, when it is less populated, people still like to go cross-country skiing and snowmobile in that area. So there's a lot of, like, outdoor activity there. It's a great, fun place. Maybe we should go there. Sounds like a dream. Are you about to tell me it's not a dream when you talk about the ghosts? It's not a dream because (laughs) it's actually the site of a terrible murder. I feel like how this is how all of them start. It's so sad. It's so sad because, I mean, any place can be haunted mm-hmm. and ghost stories don't necessarily mean that something horrible happened to someone. Someone could have passed away in their sleep and been like, la-di-da, I still love my house. I'm going to stay here. Right. It doesn't have to be a horrible end, but oftentimes I feel like when it's at like some random sort of spot like a lake mm-hmm. or maybe like a a ghost town that everybody abandoned Mm -hmm. it's just it oftentimes something bad did happen and that's why there's yeah is it activity is it jason who's like the guy at camp that oh you mean like freddie and jason yeah which one is it who do like kills the couples at the campsites jason is it jason yeah yeah freddie krueger was the one i only saw freddie versus jason so oh wow um, and Freddie was the one that went into children's dreams. Oh, that's so scary. But actually, I believe that if you go up in California on your way, and I might be making this up, but I heard this. When <laughs> I was going up to Big Bear one time, we passed by a lake and someone, it, it was a campsite actually. Man, I should have done this one. Wow. I'm so uh, mad at myself. <laughs> um, but we passed by a lake. And someone that I, I was in the car with who was in the acting world was like, oh, that's where they filmed Freddy versus Jason. Oh, that's cool. Or one of the, maybe Jason or whatever, whatever those movies are. Huh. Yeah, you can, I believe if you look into it, you can actually camp. I mean, who knows if it's actually haunted, but camp on the site that. I would be too movie. scared. Yeah. Because I feel like if I channel my inner, like, writer pretending to be a killer because i'm writing a killer i feel like that's a place where a killer would be like this is the perfect place to strike right camping and it's so sad because there's so many stories of yeah you know that it's really awful because it is such a vulnerable state and there's also those scary horrifying stories of people who go camping and then when they go (gasps) home and they get their film developed there's pictures of them sleeping in their tent i hate it so much yeah those are the worst oh that scares me so 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 much it's really okay what happened at big moose lake okay so on july 11th 1906 the body of Grace Brown was found at the bottom of the lake. Mm. She had been murdered oh, and so she was sad. just 20 years old. Yeah. Grace had grown up in that general sort of area, I think in New York. It's a Chenango County in South Otselic. And her family owned a dairy farm and she wanted to leave the farming life. And so she ended up getting herself a job at the Gillette Skirt Factory. Mm-hmm. So this was great, and she was at the job. She enjoyed the job, and it was there that she met Chester Gillette, who was the nephew of the owner, very handsome. He was quite the hot commodity, and he came from a successful family. People were like, ooh, he's like the it guy. He was the bachelor that you wanted to be with. I mean, his name was Chester, so of course he was like the it guy. Chester. That's such a rich boy name. It totally is. (laughs) But he was he was good looking too. So not only did the women at the time be like, "Oh, his family's well off," but also they were like, 
he i want to see him naked without his gillette skirts on (laughs) (laughs) so grace and chester actually end up dating but as much as you're like oh oh, good for her it was in secret because chester's a dick he didn't want to be seen with a farm girl or factory worker and he also was probably dating a bunch of other women at the time so his like high status life and his little shallow outlook on life and himself he was just like yeah no we're gonna keep this secret Mm -mm. he was a womanizer he had like that whole reputation of being pretty shitty to women and grace's friends were like what the hell are you doing um hey red flag anyone number one he doesn't want to be seen with you in public so ditch anyone who wants to keep a relationship secret is not worth being in a relationship with because that means for the rest like you can never trust them how many other secrets do they have people who like secrets are not worth having in your life you should be with someone who's very proud to be with you and excited to introduce you show you to other areas and parts of their of their life like meeting their friends meeting their Mm -hmm. family meeting their co-workers you know you should never be a secret i agree it's messed up so they're like hey this is weird (laughs) and grace was like no no it's fine of course because when you're in a relationship and someone's bad you still think the sun shines out their booty so she didn't listen and she was only 20 and honestly i didn't listen when i was 20 either so I guess it makes sense. In May of 1906, Grace discovered that she was pregnant. Mm. And this pregnancy wasn't like the typical excitement that mostly, I think, surrounds pregnancies. uh, Because Chester didn't want to think people, he didn't want people to think he was tied to Grace. But Mm. now she was pregnant. And Grace was unwed and unwed mothers were often made outcasts. So Grace was a little bit concerned and she wanted to be with Chester and get married. So Chester said he needed a little bit of time to think about this news and everything like that. And so Grace moved home to the dairy farm to be with her family. But she wrote letters to Chester a lot. They were corresponding back and forth. He was writing back. And in these letters, she was like, please, please marry me. She was trying to push him to marry her. She was pregnant with his child. Uh, And Chester didn't necessarily respond to the marriage proposal, but instead he responded by saying, well, let's take a romantic trip together to the Adirondacks in July. And Grace was like, hell yes, he's going to propose to me in the Adirondacks. This is going to be magical. It's going to be beautiful. I'm going to be so happy, so romantic. So she packs her bags and she meets Chester for her little lover's weekend. (laughs) And they first went to Utica to spend the night, and then they went to Tupper Lake on the second night. And then on July 11th, they're like, okay, we'll head back. We'll backtrack back to Utica to take the train back home. But on the way, let's stop at Big Moose Lake. So they stop there. She leaves. Grace leaves her luggage at the um, train station, Mm -hmm. and it's a wonderful afternoon. They rent a canoe. They spend the day on the water together. It's very i picture it kind of like in the notebook remember that scene <laughs> yes that's very yeah cute so scene. very notebook of them and i'm sure grace was also a little bit nervous because as much as it was it was a very romantic like oh we're going canoeing how exciting after a few days of being together number one she was probably anticipating that this is where 
the proposal would happen so she was probably like shitting herself all day poor girl and then number two she didn't know how to swim and chester knew this because she had written to him written this fact about herself in a letter so she was probably extra on edge but it was like i'm with my lover i'm gonna get engaged we're gonna get married i'm having a baby i'm gonna be rich life is gonna be so different than what it used to be but one odd thing that maybe grace didn't pick up on or maybe she did was that while she left her luggage at the train station chester brought all of his belongings with him which i guess it's like i mean he was a high profile guy he probably had really expensive things so i understand that maybe he didn't trust that they would be locked up safe but i i don't know this was a little bit of a red flag he brought all of his stuff with him on the canoe but if she thought he was going to propose she could have been like oh maybe the ring's in there or like that's true or she could have not even been thinking about that because she was wrapped up in the thought of, she was so yeah focused yeah. on oh it's gonna happen soon yeah so he has all of his stuff all of his belongings with him and one of this these belongings is a tennis racket and the evening comes and Chester takes out his tennis racket out a of his luggage. Tennis racket. And then he reaches across the canoe and he smacks Grace over the head. And he hits her, I think, a few times. And she is probably trying to defend herself and get away. But she ends up, as we know, canoes are not the most stable. No. She ends up falling over into the water and she can't swim. So she drowns. <gasps> oh, that's so horrible. And then presumably chester canoes to land he flips the canoe over and he sends it back in the lake and then he runs he heads to the arrowhead hotel he checks in with a fake name he spends the night there i think maybe a few nights there and people at the big moose lake were like oh my gosh what happened to that young couple who rented the canoe and went off into the lake we have to search for them we're very concerned they never came back and it's dark Mm -hmm. and they're missing and so they go out And they find the overturned canoe, and they're like, oh, no, this is terrible. And then a few days later, Grace's body is found submerged in the water, and she has cuts around her neck and her face, probably from being hit by the tennis racket. Right. And the autopsy shows that she had been four months pregnant. (laughs) But everyone... breaks my heart. I know. I know. It's so horrible. I just hate how there's so many stories like this. Like, there's a podcast I'm listening to right now. It's called Case Closed. That is the, like, almost exact story where, like, a girl gets pregnant with a guy who doesn't want her to have their baby and kills her. It's just, like, I hate that this is a thing and it happens. Yeah. It sh- yeah. It's really scary. Yeah. It sh- uh, yeah. It shouldn't happen, but, like, nothing bad should happen. Yeah. But everyone was like, no, we know that she wasn't alone out on the canoes. And now that we're seeing that she was pregnant and that she has a bunch of suspicious cuts around her head and face and neck. Yeah. We're thinking that there's some foul play. So almost immediately, Chester is the target. Like, they're all looking right. for Chester. Not in the water as a, as a victim, but as, the, as a suspect. Right. And Chester probably thought he was so smart and that he'd never get caught. And that, you know, Mm -hmm. he was all high and mighty and he had the perfect plan. Because he was was protected by his, like, money and family name. Yeah. Yeah, and he had kept the relationship secret, so maybe people didn't know. But, Mm. like, there's someone's going to know. 
Right. Everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And all of the people of Big Moose Lake watched them yeah, go into the... they were the... witnesses. Like, you're not yes. smart, Chester. So, immediately he becomes a prime suspect. And one of the first newspaper reports wrote, Girl drown, escort missing. Tragedy at Big Moose Lake believed to be murder. And Chester was found at Arrowhead Hotel within a few days, and he was arrested. And newspapers all over the area started reporting on him as Grace's killer. Mm. And they sent him to trial where hundreds of people showed up to watch this hot, rich kid burn. (laughs) People were really pissed. And one newspaper actually reported on multiple threats that were made by various people who wanted to rush Chester and kill him themselves when they saw him, like, be brought into court. Oh, my gosh. So there was a lot of press around it. There was a lot of security, I'm assuming. Um, And people were actually picnicking out on the town or on the lawn outside of the court house mm-hmm. because they were just waiting to hear of any sort of news. Wow, that's intense. Yeah, it was a very big deal. Very high profile. Chester said he was innocent and that the whole drowning was a terrible misunderstanding mm. and that Grace had actually jumped into the lake to complete suicide. What? He said that his proof of this was that in one of the letters Grace had written to him, she wrote that she wanted to die. I hate him. Right? He said he tried to save her life, but when he stood up on the canoe, it tipped over and he fell overboard and the boat capsized. But I'm like, oh, so if that's the case, you and all of your belongings then showed up to Arrowhead mm-hmm. Hotel soaking wet in lake water and you didn't go and say, hey, my pregnant girlfriend there's an accident sent for help no mm-hmm. bullshit baloney he's full baloney. of baloney you have to think the whole story through don't just say one thing and be like yeah that sounds right yeah what an idiot so the reports of course come in they show very differently grace didn't i mean she had cuts on her head and neck like she didn't just take a tennis racket right. and smack herself in the head and then jump overboard like that's no this isn't gone girl and she can get some cuts from like trying to save herself if she's drowning if there's anything in the bottom of the lake but like very minimal she's not gonna have bruising and bad cuts on her head from that yes it just doesn't add up she was 20 at the time chester was 23 and at 23 years old chester was convicted of grace's murder he was sentenced to death by electric chair oh and so you're thinking oh my gosh how did he feel like he he pleaded innocent so i'm trying to picture what he was like when he heard that not only would he be going to jail but he would be killed for his crimes did he cry did he plead did he look remorseful no chester sat there calmly smiling ew like a freaking sociopath oh my god that is so creepy he was executed two years later and when he was in jail, the public was actually allowed to go by his cell oh my gosh. and curse at him. Curse him. So it's kind of like our last episode. Right. But it's like, oh, gosh, the death penalty. So many people are like, there's things wrong with the death penalty. What if we get the wrong guy? Like, you're essentially putting away someone and killing them for a crime they didn't commit. What if Chester was the wrong guy? He was not. Because in jail, Chester eventually confessed to another inmate 
and that inmate was pressed for details, but the inmate refused to share the details of what Chester shared to him in confidence because apparently he was like his spiritual guide or like whatever. Oh my god, something stupid. So we'll never really know. <laughs> spiritual guides are stupid. <laughs> spiritual guides are not stupid, but I'm saying someone in jail who's like, oh, I'm going to get in the way of sharing details on some poor innocent woman or person's death because i'm a spiritual guy like no i'm sure that guy wasn't in jail because he was innocent either so right yeah i don't like when people bring like religion or spirituality into their reason for not for like doing something crappy yeah like as using that as an excuse no thanks they're just trying to pretend that they're innocent so Chester is killed after two years of being in jail or executed, uh, and he is buried in an unmarked grave in an area which is now paved over and turned into a road. So, oh my gosh, bye bye, Chester. Except for is that road haunted? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and today there are plaques or historical markers, whatever you want to call them, that are around Big Moose Lake. And they tell of the tragedy of Grace. The murder has inspired a ton of books, songs, films. There was a book called, or there is a book, it's still in print. It's called An American Tragedy. And this was based off of the story. And then they made an opera off of the book. So basically an opera was made out of the story. It was also the inspiration for A Place in the Sun, which won an Academy Award and it starred Elizabeth Taylor. No way. Yeah, yeah. So it's it gained a lot of notoriety, basically. It was wow. a horrible, horrible, shocking case and yeah. a big high-profile one, and it inspired a lot of other things to come out of it. And Unsolved Mysteries actually did an episode on the case in 1996 as well. Wow. Uh, Chester's diary was also more recently discovered, and his diary, like his own writings, were donated Whoa. to Hamilton College. Which I think is pretty neat. Like, imagine being a college student there and getting to study mm-hmm. this murderer's journal yeah. and inner thinkings. Or, and it makes me wonder if people's journals or, like, their diaries, when someone is not right in the head, if if it will come out in their journal or if they write. So, like, if it's a sociopath who's, like, trying to create a version that other mm-hmm. people will believe to be true if they go as far as to like act in their own writings well i mean that's kind of i just think of ted bundy in the documentary on um netflix because he originally called in those guys to record him and he painted a picture as if it wasn't him he was like well if i were the killer this is what would have happened or like this is my understanding of the killer and he painted it as if it was someone completely different yeah it's so it's so bizarre it's hard to get in the mind or like predict what people will be like because I think it's so it's I mean and maybe the FBI will say differently because now they have all their research after you know that whole department opened up in the 70s or whatever but trying to figure out exactly who would like make these crime or commit these crimes and murders and their sort of mindset and then not only their mindset but the life they live yeah because someone could have a really messed up mindset, but then also, like, is that person someone who maybe is mentally ill and has been in trouble with the law a bunch? Or is it someone who 
has a family of five and goes to church every Sunday and volunteers at his kids' Boy Scouts troop. I would love, 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 love to talk to a criminal profiler about that. Like, right? Imagine they're probably the most fascinating people. Although I bet you, if I would talk to them, they'd be like profiling me. Oh, at the same it would time. be impossible, I think, for anyone to not psychoanalyze every single person they meet. Yeah. If they're in that position. Yeah. But that's such a fascinating job. It really is. But so while this is neat that they have the diary and everything like that, Mm -hmm. it's also terribly sad. And there is some paranormal activity that occurs around Big Moose Lake as a result of this tragedy. Ooh. People have reported feeling quite sad near the lake. Seemingly, probably, I'm assuming, absorbing the energy of Grace's spirit. Right. People have also reported seeing an apparition of a woman floating around, looking lost and upset. And people have also seen her in Big Moose Inn, which, like I said before, so, like, on the actual lake, there are these, like, Mm -hmm. inns and cabins and lodges that you can stay in. And then if you actually want to go and camp, I don't know if you can, like, legally just camp on the lake or on the um, beaches, but there are campsites in the area. Right, right. But and so, but everyone's like going to the lake and stuff, and people have seen at Big Moose Inn a woman wearing a white dress walking down the halls or along the shoreline. Ooh, it kind of makes me think of uh, Liz Sauer's book Claire, and like the spirit who's stuck. You know, like she seems the fact that she seems lost and confused. Does she not know she's dead, or does she feel like? She needs to talk to her loved ones, you know, or get revenge. Yeah. I know. I wonder. It's it's almost frustrating to think like, oh, we'll find out when we die. But then we won't. I believe in reincarnation. So I'm like, oh, well, I won't bring that to my next life. So I'm not ever going to probably right. be a person that's like, I know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if there were people like that, we would have heard about them. Maybe we do. But other people discredit them and say that they're crazy. Yeah. But I don't think it would be fair to come back to life and have all the knowledge, you know, like, I think it's great for a moment if you do pass on and you're in the other on the other side and you learn, you gain the knowledge and it's just like, this is what your life was for. And like, these are the answers you to the questions you had. And now, now that you have them, do you want to go back without the knowledge of these? You know, like, do you want to redo life knowing that like, what if there is zero point to it but do you want to redo it you know yeah what if heaven's like actually super super boring and so everyone's (laughs) just waiting in line like uh when is my next life i'm sick (laughs) of these white clouds (laughs) it's like the dmv the lines are so long so long uh (laughs) the wait like three hours to get a renewal god can't stop talking about himself it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) you have to take a, a life test god you have to do times tables <laughs> <laughs> oh Karen, you're screwed if there are times tables when i die i'll know that i did something wrong in my life and i went to hell <laughs> it's actually hell <laughs> if i had times tables i'd know I'd, i'm in heaven <laughs> very opposite i used to i was i was talking to coworkers about this but like my first job out of college was a pretty um brainless job and so I would print times tables just to like have something to keep me stimulated and so I would do times tables by myself 
I'm a nerd. It's okay. I like doing that stuff with with words. Like, what's that game? I can never remember it. I have a different version of it now on my phone. But basically just... Words with friends? Yeah, yeah, words with friends. Like Scrabble? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's paranormal activity, and people are seeing this woman in the white dress. They're feeling very sad. Other people have said that the majority of the sightings that they have witnessed happen at night, and a bunch of the employees at the Covewood Lodge have seen or felt her spirit as well. Ooh. So I'm going to tell you the story of one particular night. And okay. this one employee, Rhonda, stopped at the top of the stairs, and she turns the lights on. And as she's turning the lights on, she feels really strongly like someone is behind her. And so she just freezes in fear. Mm. And at the exact same time that this is happening, there are three other of her coworkers, all men, who are outside working. And they see Grace appear. And he, she's just standing in front of them. And then for a few moments, she is looking at them. And then she just walks away. Oh, wow. Yeah, super creepy. And so a lot of yeah. the buildings and places nearby have a lot of uh, electrical issues and lights will just turn off. And so they think that it's because of grace. And what's even sadder is that some people, when they're going to use the lake and have fun out on the lake, they look out and they witness in the middle of the lake a boat and a woman falling off into the lake whoa so it's <gasps> as if grace is just reliving her tragic end over and over again oh my gosh although i wonder and obviously there's no answer to this but like i wonder if there can be both a residual haunting along with like a ghostly spirit haunting yeah it does make you wonder because i feel like there's a lot of stories especially with the, like women in white the ladies in white mm-hmm. where there's something that just keeps happening over and over again but then people also see their spirits going about and seemingly actively choosing to do things or like interact with other people Ooh, like what if like part of her soul split off and it's like a similar to like shadow people you know how like you have like the shadow that like splits off from your spirit what if this moment in her life caused a, a fusion or like a fracture in her spirit and her soul and caused this one part of her to continuously relive this haunting or this haunting experience and then the other part of her can go off and wander yeah perhaps but of course we don't know (laughs) we don't know anything we never will i don't know um Hmm. a few more instances happened linda lee mackin a woman who I think I think she works at the Copewood Lodge. She was walking along the lake shore at night and she was walking down to it with her flashlight. And she said as she got closer and closer to the lake, her flashlight was just like dimming, 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 dimming. Mm. And then as soon as she got right to the water, it just shut off completely. <gasps> oh, that's so creepy. And so she was like, oh, this is scary. I don't want to be in the dark no. by the water by myself. I'm going to turn around and walk back up to the lodge. So she turns around and she is immediately like face to face with grace whoa (gasps) and she said that she wasn't fearful but she was overwhelmed with sadness and so linda was like well i probably shouldn't just be standing here forever so she walks very quickly back up to the lodge 
and was just pretty spooked by the experience. And then at a different inn nearby along the lake, the previous owner had become bothered by some loud footsteps in the inn and also footsteps outside. And he could never figure out who was being so noisy and who was like walking so loudly outside and he would even go to investigate a few times and there would be fresh snow but there would be no footprints even though he was like I'm certain someone was walking outside right outside of this inn and so then the hotel is eventually sold to a new couple and they quickly realize that all of the activity is due to Grace's wandering spirit because one night they were sitting with a friend at the hotel bar when they look up And in the reflection of the TV screen, they see a woman in old Victoria-era clothing watching them. They sprint out. And the female owner of this inn also reported that occasionally, so when she goes to shower, she'll lay out her clothes on her bed so that when Mm -hmm. she comes out of the shower, she can change into her outfit. And she said occasionally, when she goes into the shower, she'll come back out and the outfit that she had put out on her bed is back in her closet (laughs) and a whole new outfit is laid out oh so grace is like helping to style her wait (laughs) i mean i like to think that grace is like getting some pleasure out of her ghostly life right yeah because all the other experiences you've said i've i've been like i really want some type of medium to go communicate with her because it's like it sounds like she just needs help or needs to talk to someone right yeah i know She needs to figure out how to move on. Yeah. And it does seem like she's sad, but she is, she is like interacting with people. Right. So the same couple that bought that in, they have a son and the son's girlfriend was spending the night one night and woke up in the middle of the night and she felt like someone was sitting on the edge of her bed. And so she looks over and she can actually see the indent of the weight, but didn't see anyone sitting there. Whoa. And there have also been EVPs caught in the area. And one of the EVPs caught a woman's voice saying, he did it. No way. Which, it's confusing because I would think that her spirit would move on once Chester was, like, executed or something. Like, made sure that her killer got what he deserved. But she seems to still be stuck there. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe she just knows that he was trying to pretend he's innocent and she wants to make it clear that he's not. Yeah. It's tragic. It's sad. It is. But this is the story of Big Moose Lake. It's a popular summer destination. There are plenty of campgrounds surrounding it. If you're not a camper, you can be an in-person instead. Glamp. Go glamping. Glamping. And no matter where you stay, so long as you're by the lake, you may witness Grace Brown, the spirit of Grace Brown. Okay. Let's hear about your haunted campsite. Yes. Okay, so I chose Braley's Pond in Virginia. Virginia's campgrounds are they're kind of commonly known as some of the best in the country. And you can make, you know, as we were talking with our camping stories, you make these lifelong memories. Like, you'll never forget that story where you guys almost died. And it's a good place to crack beer and hang with your friends and be mm-hmm. one with nature. But also, if you're at Braley's Pond, you should keep in mind you're in for a spooky treat because when the night falls on Braley's Pond and you slip into your cozy sleeping bag to rest your eyes, the ghosts come out and they're not afraid to come after you. Oh! 
this is scary. Mm-hmm. So Braley is a four and a half acre pond that was constructed in 1965 by the U.S. Forest Service as a recreation pond and also as a part of the George Washington and Jefferson National Forest in West Augusta, Virginia. And it's a fishing point. So when you look up Braley's Pond on the internet, you get a ton of YouTube videos of people like, look at my fish, man. And um, people really (laughs) excited about catching fish. And so for anyone who likes to fish, this is your spot. Anyone who likes to ghost hunt, this is also your spot. So, you know, maybe combine two of your favorite activities and go to Braley's Pond. And they also have hiking trails and picnic areas. And it's surrounded by remote land that's all undeveloped which is perfect for photograph opportunities hunting camping and ghosts so there are reports of children laughing there are also ghostly horses which no one really knows why or where they came from yeah that's interesting and no one really knows where the children's laughter and children's spirits are coming from either but there is another entity that people can identify and it can be traced back to what is a horrific murder. Wow. So we both have campsites surrounding bodies of water where murders took place. Mm -hmm. What a theme. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Very sad. But I feel like, yeah, like we said, I feel like it happens a lot, which is sad and depressing. So on May 22nd of 2003, a 19-year-old boy named Christopher S. Kennedy was lured into the park at Braley's Pond by four members of a gang where he was then stabbed 13 times and then dumped into the pond. So they found Christopher Kennedy's body the next morning submerged into the pond and he was dead. And immediately they knew because Christopher was part of this gang in Virginia. And so they knew right away who was responsible for this. And there were four gang members who were all sent to trial for Christopher's murder. And at court, they accused basically they like defended themselves saying that kennedy was gonna go to the police and rat them out so they had to give him punishment and they all spent the night like that night on may 22nd they were all at one of the other gang members house and they were talking about christopher and they're like what do we do like we need to punish him we need to give him a good beating and scare him and so they go to christopher's but they clearly knew that they weren't going to just give him a beating because they brought a knife along with them. That's when you know that's the intent right there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Immediately convicted. Sorry, yeah. case closed. You knew what you were doing. And so they basically forced Christopher out of his home and bring him to Braley's Pond where they stabbed him 13 times. God, that's so horrible. Yeah. And so there's one haunting since that night that stands out because it is wild and I have no explanation for it and and I don't even know if it's connected to Christopher or not but it's just crazy so there's this woman her name is Shea Willis and she's a paranormal researcher and she's an empath and she's always felt the need to understand her connection to the other side so she spent a lot of time developing her traits and exploring haunted places in order to do so and in October of 2003 which is about half a year after Christopher's murder Shea gets a call from her friend Chris and that's not actually Chris's real name I think his name was changed for the sake of the story but so Chris calls Shea and was like, hey, did you hear about that murder that happened at Braley's Pond? Uh, and Shay is like, no, I didn't hear about it. 
And Chris is like, well, I've heard that Braley's Pond is really haunted. Do you want to go check it out? And at the time, Shea and Chris actually led this paranormal investigation group that was composed of about 12 teenagers and then the two of them. And they kind of were just like teaching these teens how to paranormal investigate and like explore their abilities and gifts with the paranormal. And they're like, well, this is a perfect opportunity to take them out into the field. And so then on October 12th, 2003, the group of 12 kids and then Shea and Chris decided to go to Braley's Pond and they arrived at about 4.30 p.m. and they made their way towards a bridge that led to a dam in the park and as they're crossing the bridge, Shea is hit with the intensity of everything that had happened back in May. Like she just is struck with images and emotions and instantly knows every detail of what happened the night that Christopher Kennedy was murdered even though Whoa. she hadn't done any research on it before because she was like, I don't want to have all this knowledge that will then taint my experience. I just want to go in. Like, I know there was a murder here, but I don't know the details. I just want to go in and experience this place. And she says that it was so unbearable and she like she truly wanted to leave. She actually wrote a journal. She wrote in it saying, it was so heavy, almost to be palatable, and I knew immediately this feeling was not my own. I was feeling something that belonged to someone else. And so she continues on, and her and the group continue towards the dam, but when they get there, two of the teenagers immediately start to feel physically sick and are starting to have panic attacks, like are uncontrollably like ill and they have to run down the dam and get in a way like towards the ed edge of the woods and they finally start to feel better when they get there but they were all like everyone there was like this is weird and creepy and Shea says it was the most overwhelming and frightening reaction she's ever had to the paranormal it was so bad that she sent the rest of the group home like she was just like all right this is not worth doing an investigation of like it's clearly an intense feeling and I don't think anyone's ready for this or needs to be here for this yeah wow but her and chris were still fascinated and they're like well maybe the teens shouldn't be here but why don't we go back just the two of us and so they did they go back to braley's pond at around 11 30 p.m that night and the second they get out of their car they're again hit with that intense energy and shea was like it felt like it was waiting for us like it was on the edge of the parking lot and the second i got out of my car it was like you're back and then it hit her like again with all of this energy she felt this one presence in front of her the one that she felt like was waiting for her she said it wasn't frightening but just intense and emotional and so she starts walking into the park with chris and then all of a sudden, they feel this additional presence behind them. But whatever this one behind them was did not feel human. And Chris and Shea both immediately feel way more uncomfortable than they'd ever felt. They felt that this entity, whatever the second entity was, was bringing forth feelings of dread and fear. And so Chris and Shea are like, okay, let's just, maybe this feeling will go away. Let's just continue walking. They try to shake it off. They try to ignore it. And so they keep walking and they keep walking. This fear keeps growing and they finally reach the top of the dam and they hear something move in the water below them. And so they look towards the water, but before they can even, before their eyesight even hits the water, they're caught, they catch something else in the night sky. And it's this really weird, they see it's like in the top of a tree about like 30 to 40 feet off the ground and Shea describes it as an unbelievable sight because at the very top of a very tall pine tree there was a 
green glowing orb shaped thing and it was huge wait what mm-hmm. and like a spaceship uh, no but more like an orb it didn't seem like a spaceship but, but like a weird glowing light and okay. so shaya has her camera and she takes a photo of it and there's a photo online of it but like you know how you try to take a picture of the moon and it never looks like as big as it does to your eye it's the same thing so it just looks like a but you can tell it's like a green glowing light out in the distance and the second her camera clicks they hear the splashing again in the water but it's like a violent splashing and so like maybe this is chris's ghost like as he's dying in the water and it's a residual haunting because it's like midnight now in this park and there's no way anyone is taking a midnight dip you know and it's October. Oh, that's so creepy, especially the whole like underwater part. I hate I know, that. I know. And so just as they look down to the water where they hear the sound of someone like flailing and kicking around, they're hit by a force of energy. It just like bursts towards them. And it was so shocking and evil that they both were like, we're out of here. They didn't even have to like confirm it with each other. They both just instantly started sprinting back towards the car because they were like, whatever this entity is, it wants to hurt us. And mm-hmm. luckily they have this. Okay. They say so they have a recording going while they're running back to the car. And so as they're running, Shea is like a few steps behind Chris. And then all of a sudden Shea watches as an unseen force literally forces Chris off of the bridge and into the pond like he trips upwards <gasps> and to the right and flies into the pond whoa yeah and then he lands in the water in the recording so you don't hear him actually fly into the water on the recording but like as you you hear like Chris kind of say something to Shaya and then he goes like whoa and then you hear this high-pitched screeching noise and then apparently right after that he's flown it like thrown into the water Oh gosh. <laughs> and so Shea stops and she starts screaming for Chris, but Chris is like, get out, keep running, don't wait for me. And it was too late though, because whatever had thrown Chris is now touching Shea's back and not just touching it, but moving around. And she describes it as it was feeling her body. She said it was like a two foot long inchworm humping its way from arm to arm and across the back of her head like a psychic jelly with tentacles. Ew, I, ooh. Yeah. And so she starts screaming. She's running back towards the car. Chris finally catches up to her. Shay is in hysterics, feeling violated by this thing that's still on her, crawling all over her. And she's like yelling at Chris. She's like, get it off me, get it off me. And Chris is like, I don't see anything. There's nothing on you. And so they get in the car. Shay is like in tears and Chris starts driving. And finally the feeling begins to subside. But whatever it was, it followed her home. And so the next morning, actually, Shaya and Chris learned that one of the girls who came with them that afternoon prior had actually like gotten home from Braley's Pond and attempted to complete suicide and there's no way to determine whether it's connected to the hauntings they experienced at Braley's Pond oh but this girl survived luckily but like people have drawn conclusions and said like it's possible that whatever she experienced was so dark and horrifying that it put these thoughts in her mind or I don't know and it 
it drove her to try to complete suicide. That's, I yeah. It's so sad. I know, because I, I would rather think that it's a dark entity that was the thing pushing people to, as awful as it is, pushing people to complete suicide, rather than the result of a suicide then trying to, like, I don't want to think that someone who was in that state of mind and completed suicide then haunts the area and tries to encourage other people to do the same. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, whatever the second entity is, it's like so wildly different than like any other spirit. I've, I mean, it's dark clearly, but like the tentacly thing is just like, I don't think I've ever heard of that. I just wonder what it is because it doesn't seem like it's connected to Christopher or the children or the horses, you know? Mm-hmm. the horses are the most bizarre part of this whole story like what the heck <laughs> well i mean i don't know horses could have died and it's like a park right so like it's open land who knows what could have happened there decades prior or is this some s- sort of portal to hell or that and this weird demon creature is stalking everyone Aye. and riding horses like into the Ooh, night that's creepy like a headless horseman yeah. type i mean deal. it's possible but anyway so this this girl, luckily, she survived, but Shea and Chris are like, it's just amplifying their fear of Braley's pawn. They're like, there's something wrong, something really bad there. And so Shea is like, still feeling a little weird. She doesn't really feel like herself, but she's like, it's fine. Like, it's just, I had a weird experience and it's just lingering, but it just wouldn't leave her alone. Whatever it was, followed her home and night after night, Shea was having vivid nightmares and then during the day strange things would happen to her like really bad luck would happen around her and for her and it happened for weeks um and she also like this is the creepy part she also felt drawn back to braley's pond like oh no oh no she felt like she had to keep going back and so her and chris actually made multiple trips back there and every time they would go back, like whatever feelings she had would just intensify, which would make it worse at her home life. Like when she'd go back home, it would just get worse and worse. And then also like when they were at Braley's Pond, their camera batteries would die suddenly and they would get photos of strange mist surrounding them, even though when they took the photos, there was no fog. And on one occasion, Shea actually returned by herself because she was so drawn back and she like didn't tell anyone she was going. She was drawn back. She returned by herself, parked her car, and then doesn't remember anything until a few hours later. She kind of like comes to and she's bent over staring into the toilet in the park's bathroom. <gasps> so she has no oh recollection of what happened in between those few hours or where she went or why she ended up in the bathroom and like looking into a toilet. Like, was she throwing up? Like, she has no recollection that's so scary and so she it's like what happened in those yeah what did she do right which is like is there some alien connection i don't know Uh, is it just a dark entity that's like who took over her and did something i don't know but she is just like she's standing standing in the bathroom she's like i need to i need to go home this is terrifying and so she goes home still with no memory of what she had done in the park and then a few nights later shaya and her husband are watching tv in bed when they hear a blood curdling scream coming from their eight-year-old son and they rush to find him and he's in the living room and he's terrified and he's pointing to the corner of the room and Shaya's husband is like 
what happened? Are you okay? And the son is like, there's a man standing in the corner. He has holes all over his body and he's dripping wet, covered in red liquid. And so Shea tries to comfort her son. She's like, it's only a shadow. But, you know, she knew it was not a shadow. It was something that followed her home, which it could have been Chris and the holes in his body could have been from the stabbings. Or was it this like tentacled creature appearing as Chris? Or was it something else entirely? I don't know. It's just so eerie and creepy. And luckily the feelings like eventually subsided and Shea has actually been to Braley Pond since the feelings have gone away and she's never felt the feeling again so I don't know what happened or where it went or how she got rid of it but like luckily it hasn't followed her since um okay yeah yeah. that's the worst thing ever to have something follow you (laughs) it's like it it needed her and marked her and followed her just to have the ability to bring her back, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, the worst part was, like, the feeling that she described of it, like, crawling all over her body and, like, slithering and humping around, like, touching her everywhere. That's so off-putting. Yes. That's what doesn't... That sounds way more alien-esque than any ghost story I've heard, right? Yeah. But then it also... Ha- acts in a way of like a dark entity where it's like inflicting her with nightmares and then causing bad luck and it's just like it's such a mix of alien with ghosts that i don't know i don't know wait where was this again virginia okay virginia is kind of a scary place that's where (laughs) roanoke is exactly yeah and roanoke doesn't really fit (laughs) into one subject either like it kind of defies right all understanding of the paranormal yeah. Um, but okay, so there are a few other hauntings at Braley Pond. There's a spirit that hovers parallel to the pond, like just like a few inches off the pond water, and it just hovers there, and it will like disappear once people look at it. And then there are the sounds of horses neighing on the trails, as well as children laughing outside of your tent at night. And again they have no idea who these spirits are or why they're there or where they came from but they find people and they taunt people and they they i mean they there are stories of people who like are sleeping in their tent and all of a sudden there's like a child laughing outside of their tent and it's like super creepy can you imagine (laughs) um yeah i don't want that ever but uh if you if this sounds like up your alley, you can go to Braley Pond. It's open year round and it's free and you can have pets, which is like great. You can bring your pets so that you can trust them to tell you when to GTFO. <laughs> but that's that's Braley Pond in Virginia. Yikes, that one's a risky one because <laughs> stuff will follow you home. Yep. Stuff. Okay, like who knows what it is. Yeah. I wonder how many different paranormal groups have gone to try to figure it it out i think a lot have gone there are a few i read that like came up with nothing and then uh a lot of groups who've gone similar to shea and chris when they went like were overwhelmed with the feelings and then just decided to turn around and go home because they were like i don't want to deal with this yeah because sometimes as much as you want to figure out why something is the way it is or gather some evidence you just have to listen to your own instincts and be like no, yeah. my body's telling me I really shouldn't be here. Yep, yep, not worth it. It's not worth getting possessed. No. Okay, 
we have listener stories. All right. This is from Jules, a.k.a. Ghouls. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Camping Haunting Story. So perfect for this episode. Mm -hmm. Hello, ghoul friends. I just started listening to your podcast this week, and I love it. I'm always looking for new spooky podcasts, and this one is perfect to get me through those days at work. While listening to one of your most recent Encounters episodes, Encounters number 30, where the brother and sister were drawn from their tent by an entity, I got chills as I was immediately reminded of my own camping spirit entity experience. I've had many airy experiences throughout my life, but this one is the one that sticks with me and still causes me to balk at the thought of hiking and camping. This is long, and I apologize in advance. It's okay, because this one's so good. I'm excited and scared. (laughs) A few years ago, my roommate and I decided to go camping in Sequoia Kings Canyon National Park, about a six-hour drive from where we were living in Southern California. We chose a site about halfway up the mountain. No electricity, but the toilets that were about a half mile away had running water, a nice midpoint between fully roughing it and being in a cabin. Mm -hmm. We were within eye shot of other campers, but far enough away that we could not hear other people's conversations. And the first few days were uneventful. We went hiking, cooked our own meals on the fire, all that fun camping stuff. The last night is when things got fully spooky. Something to note is that each of us experienced everything independently without the other saying anything. We didn't discuss what happened until we were at the bottom of the mountain on our way home. On our last night, my roommate and I went to bed around 10 p.m. but couldn't seem to fall asleep. We stayed up until about 1 a.m. reading, occasionally commenting on how we just couldn't seem to get tired. And around that time we finished our books, we both had a horrible realization that we had to pee. Mm-hmm. Our, cho- <laughs> our choices were either to go right away or to try to sleep and wake up at 3 a.m. unable to wait any longer. Either way, it was about a half mile walk down the mountain in the pitch oh. black. We made the executive decision to go right away, putting on our shoes and grabbing our phones for the flashlight. Honestly, I would have just peed right there Same. and just like, you know, sh- like shake. Yeah. Squat. Shake and be like, oh, I feel gross, yeah. but whatever. I would have done the same. <laughs> yeah. Maybe bring some biodegradable wipes from Lola next time you go camping. <laughs> yes. As we walked, I kept getting more and more anxious, walking faster as we went until we were both practically running. The feeling was hard to describe. Nothing was wrong, but I definitely felt like we were being watched. We got to the bathroom, we did our thing, and we actually ran back to our tent, both of us saying it was because we were cold when really we were terrified. We got back, and as we approached the tent, I felt like something was off, but I couldn't place it. We had left a battery-powered lamp on, but suddenly I felt this internal voice screaming at me to turn it off. (gasps) I did, and when we got back into our tent... Both of us were shaking, and we didn't know why. We continued to have trouble sleeping, seeing a couple of very large shadows pass over our tent, a weird light in the distance, and spells of eerie quiet. Oh my gosh. I would guess that we actually passed out from exhaustion close to 3 a.m., which is when it got scary. Oh no. I would wake up every 30 minutes, suddenly panicked because my roommate was gone. We were sharing a big air mattress, the kind where you feel the pressure of another person there with you. I would wake up knowing that there was no one else in the tent, and I would feel for her in panic, then immediately think that I just had to go outside and find her. 
and then as my hand would be unzipping the tent, suddenly I would feel her weight <gasps> on the mattress, and she would be there asleep beside no. me. This happened several times throughout the night, each time with me getting closer and closer to actually making it outside. No. My roommate later confirmed that this exact sensation happened to her multiple times throughout the night as well. And as the night went on, we got colder and colder, going through the cycle of waking, panicking, searching, and then finally sleeping again. Oh my gosh. By the time the sun came up, we were clinging to each other out of fear and cold. And when we woke up in the morning, we looked at each other surprised that we were so cold. We looked for our blankets because we had brought several and we found them tied in a <sighs> large knot at the foot of our mattress near the tent entrance. Ooh. What the fuck? No. We saw this. We looked at each other and we didn't speak of it. We both said <laughs> in a very upbeat way, ready to go? Sure am. <laughs> And we proceeded to pack up the entire campsite faster than I thought was possible. Once we were all the way from the mountain, my roommate said, so we need to talk about something. And we both were super relieved to find out the other had experienced the exact same thing. Turns out neither one of us had wanted to mention it so that A, we didn't freak each other out, and B, we didn't come off as crazy. <laughs> I did some research when we got home and found tons of stories about forest spirits luring people out of their tents trying to separate mm -mm. them oh my god i just got full body chills yeah i'll never forget how compelled i felt to leave that tent and to look for my roommate and the fear and relief when i would feel her next to me again i have always loved the forest <laughs> and the mountains and always felt comfortable and safe in the woods up until that point i have no idea what drew whatever it was to our tent that night or what would have happened if we'd left our tent now, I have a very healthy respect and fear of whatever ancient spirits live in the forests, and I haven't been camping since. <laughs> and I make sure to be well out of the woods by sundown when hiking. Well, that's all the time. I have lots of stories about old homes that I lived in and dreams I've had that seem to be more than dreams upon waking up. But for now, I will leave it at this. Thank you for the podcast and for the chance to listen to stories from like-minded people. It's a great thing to know that there are others out there who've had the same sort of thing happen. See you on the other side, Jules. Wow. Yeah, wow is right. Okay, so many things. But first of all, they sprinted back uphill after peeing, which is like good for you guys because that probably and wasn't easy. And a half easy. mile. Yeah. I can barely run a half mile like on flat ground. Let alone uphill. That's Mad kudos to you guys. That's when you know your adrenaline is kicking yeah, in, too. You don't even realize how... Yeah. I think it's crazy that they both had to pee at the same time, which makes me think, like, again, another force, like, luring them out, and... Yeah, good thing they went together. That they yeah. Didn't... Ugh. <sighs> I, it, there's, like... I can't even imagine the feeling that you're... The person who's sleeping next to you is gone, and just as you're about to leave, they come back. It also makes me wonder about... When they did return to the tent before they eventually fell asleep and went through that whole cycle of, like, almost opening the tent, what other sort of spirit was in the woods that told them? Or was it just her own instincts that was, like, turn the light off? Yeah, I don't know. I think instincts or maybe, yeah, maybe she has a guardian. Yeah. Uh, what if you don't have a guardian and you're out there? I think everyone does have a guardian, but it's, like, 
does that does someone speak up oh my god what if it was the spirit of someone who did get lured out of the tent and something horrible happened to them and they're just trying to protect people yeah protect other campers from these evil forest spirits oh i like that idea although it's really sad it is very sad but it yeah and it's just so creepy because it's so similar to the experience that we did read in encounters number 30 where Mm -hmm. each of the siblings that were camping like thought that the other one was outside and calling to go look for them yeah like was being lured out by a voice of their sibling it's like just come outside this is why camping scares me like i just feel you're so 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 vulnerable because that's where anything can happen it's not just a target for murderers mm-hmm. or maybe evil forest spirits but like think about all just even the average wildlife like yeah. moose or bear or coyote mountain lions and then maybe a sasquatch <laughs> we know what you want grin aliens there's just it, the list goes on yeah and i mean we did we did hiking buddies that was one of our earlier episodes mm-hmm. and that involved some people like camping or just hiking trails you know, those outdoor spaces, and it's just so creepy Yeah, how many people have these extremely unexplainable experiences. Yeah, and I have another person who has an experience. Let's hear it. Camping. Okay, this is from Duffy, and she says, Hi, ladies. First of all, I love your podcast. Personally, I find your vocal fry endearing, and my cat... Thank you. <laughs> And my cat is always super confused when she hears Leia meow in the background, but she's a fan too, I think. Anyway, I wanted to share a couple of the many weird things I've experienced. These could possibly be written off as sleep paralysis, and believe me, I've tried to write it off, but I'll let you be the judge. The first one is weird. It happened about four years ago while I was traveling in Cambodia with an ex-girlfriend. We were staying at a rustic resort on a small island, the kind where you sleep in tents on the beach and share a bathroom. Basically just camping, but hotter and beachier. Anyway, early one morning towards the end of our stay, something weird happened to me. As I woke up, I heard this voice close to my ear coming from just outside the tent. It was lights out. I was definitely awake and I could move, but I almost had that awful woozy feeling you get when you're coming back to consciousness after fainting, like you don't know what's going on or where you are. I can still hear the voice in my mind. It was this horrible hissing whisper, like if a snake could talk. I don't know what it was saying, but it was repeating something over and over in a rhythm. Here's the thing. It wasn't in English. It sounded like Khmer, which I don't speak. As the wooziness began to pass, the voice faded out into the sound of the waves. As I lay there trying to convince myself that my brain had just morphed the sound of the ocean into something horrible hallucination of a voice... I was cold, not chilled, but cold. And we're talking about tropical southern Cambodia here, not a chilly place. So yeah, that's creepy and everything, but here's the kicker. I didn't mention this to my girlfriend. It was just a bit of sleep paralysis, right? But that night, she woke me up in the tent saying she'd heard something moving around outside and it was breathing. (laughs) She told me that she turned on her flashlight and seen green eyes glowing outside of the tent. I assured her it had just been one of the many dogs that hung around on the island. And she felt a bit silly, but agreed. I looked outside to check. Believe me, I was freaked, but there was nothing. Just dogs, right? 
The thing is, the tent was made of pretty thick canvas, and I didn't say anything, but how could she have seen green eyes glowing through the tent wall? Nothing else creepy happened. We went on our vacation, but I still think about it. I have no idea what that was, but I don't feel like the voice was coming from an actual physical thing, and it definitely didn't feel friendly. Cambodia is an ancient place with horrifying, tragic recent history, so who knows what kinds of spirits are hanging around there. But hey, maybe just sleep paralysis and dogs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have a we have a neighbor who, like a friend from our hometown who had to escape Cambodia. Wow. They do have a pretty rough yeah, history, yeah. so I can imagine all the darkness. There was like, um, I think it was like 2.3 million people killed in Cambodia. It's so horrible. I almost did a story about it, and then I was like, it's just so, it's too devastating to do on this podcast. Okay, she says, my second story happened about 13 years ago in Vancouver, British Columbia, while a friend of mine was visiting from out of town. This was back in my boozy 20s, and he was crashing on my couch for a bit, trying to decide whether he wanted to make the big leap and move to the city. I need to point out here that I've experienced sleep paralysis many times in my life, and I'm unfortunately very familiar with the horrible feelings of dread and the awareness of some kind of evil presence that goes along with it. Anyway, one night while my friend was there, I woke up in my room at around 3 a.m. with that exact feeling. It was like I was instantly awake, fully alert, and completely terrified, but I wasn't paralyzed. I scanned the room, feeling the awful certainty that there would be something horrible there watching me and coming closer, but there wasn't, but I could still feel its presence. And at that moment, I heard my friend cry out from the living room. It was like a choked, whimpering half-yell of sheer terror. And let me just say that hearing your 20-something happy-go-lucky beer-swilling bro make a sound like that in the middle of the night would have been enough to freeze my blood. But combined with that awful feeling of dread and evil, just nope. I should have gotten up to see if he was okay, but I was honestly too terrified to move. And the next day, I got up, went to work, and had completely forgotten about what had happened the night before until I got home. My friend and I were in the kitchen drinking some beers and smoking a joint when he suddenly got quiet. I think your house is haunted. Oh my gosh. He said. I froze, the memory flooding back. He told me that he had woken up on the couch, unable to move, and had seen an old woman standing by the patio door staring at him. Oh god. He said she looked like any old cotton top grandma wearing a blue nightgown, except he could see through her bottom half. He said that the way she was looking at him was like pure hatred and evil. Oh, no. That's when he managed to cry out. The weird thing was he'd never experienced sleep paralysis before, and there'd never been any spooky vibes in that place before or after. But if he was just experiencing sleep paralysis, then why could I feel it from the other room? I have no idea, but I've always suspected that there could be something supernatural involved with the phenomenon, something outside us that feeds on our fear. I can tell you that whatever the thing was, she got a nice big old double helping at the terror buffet from us that night. (laughs) The terror buffet. (laughs) They're both like, ah! (laughs) Yep, terrifying. Uh, Okay, one quick bonus story. Not supernatural, but super fucking creepy. One night back in my early 20s, I was sitting at a picnic table in a park with some friends smoking weed and being bored. The table was like a gazebo-like structure on top of the small grassy hill. And on our way into the gazebo, I noticed a large black trash bag on the ground, but I hadn't really paid any attention to it. I was sitting on the bench facing the way we came in, and as we were talking, I started to notice that the bag was kind of moving. At first, I thought it was just the wind or something, but it wasn't. It was more like the bag was breathing, more rhythmically. I pointed it out to the rest of my friends, and my friend Sean and I got up the nerve to go investigate. It was definitely moving. 
Sean kind of nudged it with his foot, and the bag made a weird little moaning sound. There was a fucking person in there. What? We were like, hey, are you okay? Do you need help? We were dumb kids. The bag was tied up from the outside. Clearly, this was something serious. I said we should call the cops, but that moment, the bag spoke. It said, no, I'm fine. I'm supposed to be here. In this weird, high-pitched Mickey Mouse voice, it was clearly a man, and I said, fuck this. We are getting out of here and calling the cops, and we did just that. And I have no idea what the fuck that was. My theory is that some weird S&M thing. I think the movement I'd seen was a guy in the bag masturbating. Anyway, how creepy is that? I never get <gasps> that gross Mickey Mount sounding, I'm supposed to be in here, out of my head. I have more scary Shut stories. Up. Oh, I can't do it. I was going to try to do the Mickey I know, voice, I can't but do it. now that I've learned Chitis, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, she said, I have more scary stories that involve actual ghosts, but I'll save them for later. Love you guys. Bye. Duffy from Canada what the heck <laughs> okay i mean the last story's messed up because that's just gross <laughs> super gross i mean like whatever you're into but as soon as you make it public then that's yeah that's other people's business no. too so super creepy that's weird mm -hmm. and aren't you gonna suffocate if you're tied up in a plastic bag uh, but maybe that's what the point of it is yeah, maybe he wants to be near death and someone Ugh. else is watching from far. Ew, which is... Away. I don't know. Which is even... I, we don't yeah. need to talk about that part. But. <laughs> it's so scary. I don't like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the Cambodia camping story makes sense, but I... Because there's probably so many spirits and like good and bad mm -hmm. and just like tragedy and we know how tragedy brings some other dark stuff too, so... It's creepy, though, that, like, the, the green glowing eyes were so strong that they could be seen from within the tent mm -hmm. walls. Yeah. And also, I, I'm i glad that she wrote about the sleep paralysis experience because I think you and I both believe that sleep paralysis is, it goes beyond just your body having some weird sort of internal reaction. And we think that it's a lot of times triggered by paranormal experiences. And I feel like this is some proof you know she wasn't having sleep paralysis and she in her own room mm -hmm. was experiencing something in tandem with yeah what her friend was experiencing in his sleep paralysis state which is so interesting like there's was it because they were in the same space or are they just such good friends that they're connected or i mean the terror buffet is hilarious so like maybe this entity was like i'm gonna get a double dip and get both right? of them but it also reminds me a bit of the listener story we read where someone was stuck in sleep paralysis and her dog was the only one that was able to see like what was going on, like her own astral body reach out and pet the dog. Right, right. And the dog like helped wake yeah. her up when something scary happened. So it makes me think that it's just beyond our own understanding. Yep. We'll never know. We'll never know. Man, oh man, these were great. Yeah. So if you've gone camping and seen ghosts or just have ghost stories in general, send them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. You know our normal spiel. We have social media that includes Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and we also have a variety a variety of ways to support us. The biggest way is through word of mouth. Yes. Yes. Tell everyone, tell your friends. Um also, we have a live show in Boston. We have the link to the tickets now. It's linked in our Instagram, and we'll put it on our uh, website as well. May 5th, Sunday at 8 p.m. 
in Boston. Yes, Boston, come out, yes. please. And also, uh, thank you to Eric Foster again for uh, editing this episode. Thank you. You rock. And then we have a variety of other ways to support us. You can rate interview us on iTunes. You can represent us by buying some merchandise and rocking that. And you can also donate to our Patreon. Yep. And we will see you on the other side.